Good morning, church. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning to celebrate Easter. Um, you know, this is something we've been celebrating for thousands of years. And I was thinking about how to share this story with you and should I reinvent something? Should I go a different way? Um, but I realized that we're going to be celebrating this story of Easter forever uh, when we get to meet Jesus face to face. And so it's probably worth our effort now to tell the story. We don't need to reinvent anything. He's done such a good job. Now, that being said, the story is, uh, if it's not in context, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like trying to watch the last five minutes of all the Marvel movies and think you know who, who the characters are and what's going on. Yeah, there's a good guy and a bad guy, but what's the plot? So today I want to try to share with you the plot. I want to share with you the big picture of God's story on the earth. If that's possible in 30 minutes, I'm going to give it a shot. So there once was a good world, and it was made by a good father, and he cared for it. And he crafted it with his own hands. And after he had made everything, he still went back to fine tune it because he saw that there was loneliness which is a crazy thing to think about. That when the world was new and perfect, there was no sin, through no fault of their own, it was still the case. It was still the case that uh, we would face loneliness and that you will too. You can commune with God in the height of purity and you will still feel a loss because you were made for meaningful connection with God and with other people. So he gave man and woman to each other, and they loved each other for we don't know how long, untold ages, in a garden made just for them. And with the good father's love came authority, which true love always does. And in this garden, there was just one rule, but that was still too much, as rules tend to be. And they broke their father's heart and believed a lie that he wasn't a good father, and his loving authority wasn't good either. They believed that he was keeping their, his best from them, that the good life lay outside his authority, and that all the other animals were having a blast doing whatever they wanted. They were rich, and they had really fun parties and way better sex. But it wasn't true. And those other animals were pretending to enjoy their miserable, selfish lives as the poison ate at their insides. And then shame and vulnerability and weakness came along. And the man and the woman did what everyone does. They hid from the good father and his loving authority. They took the good leaves from a good fig tree. And they tried to do something incredible and useless to sew themselves clothes to cover their vulnerability and their weakness and their failure. And they tried to look good in front of each other, even though it was only them and God. But that was still too much. Because they chose to do things their own way, a thorn began to grow in the garden. And like all invasive species, all manner of thorns grow and grow into poison and illness and brokenness, and they had to leave the garden forever. Work and raising children, marriage, community, it was all hard now and full of thorns. And from that moment would come all the broken things you see around you, in your family, and in your community, in your culture, and in the world. Fathers and mothers 
neglecting and leaving their children, husbands and wives hiding from God and split apart. Authority was twisted, and so was love, and the good world became a terrible place. And so the father of all things said he would let his rebellious children go their way. But he kept one family for himself, a people who would follow his ways of living and loving and obeying. And he supported godly men and godly women who would listen to him when they made laws or wrote songs or taught their children. And to this people, he said, he would be like a mother hen who clucks just so and all her chicks run to her to find the safety under her wings. They would be a people belonging to God, even as the world went astray. But like every well-tended garden, snakes get in. And even his own family got twisted. His special people wanted to do things their own way. They wanted a God who would fit in the cupboard in the living room. They wanted their own rules that made them feel like they were above everyone else. They wanted to prove their worth and be in control. And the brokenness got worse. If God said to be clean, then these people would be extra clean. Their hands, their hearts, their minds. But it would never be clean enough. And if God was loving, extra loving, infinitely loving, and their children could do whatever their twisted, broken hearts wanted to do because of love. If God was authoritative, then they would be authoritarian with rules about every aspect of culture, what you must say, and what you must wear, what all the songs and every movie has to be about. And if God gets angry, then these people would be extra angry. They would cast you out for the slightest offense, even though They had just said you could do whatever you wanted. And no matter how much you said you were sorry, it would never be enough. These people would never forget what you did. They would be godlier than God himself, and the brokenness got worse. They broke the good laws. They broke the art and the music. They not only broke their children, but they made broken rules that would break everyone else's children. And all the while, they believed that they were helping, being their own God, fitting everyone into their cupboard. And so the Father in heaven sent to his special people more godly men and godly women to bring them back to his way. Men and women, the voice of the good Father, his spirit sometimes whispering, sometimes shouting, sometimes bringing down upon their heads all form of calamity as his voice cried out, come back to me even as the whole world went astray. But they would not. They chose to do their things their way. And shame and doubt came into God's special people, and with that came all the broken things you see in the rest of the world, in marriages, in community, in art, and culture. Fathers and mothers left their children. Husbands and wives hid from each other and split apart. Authority was twisted, as was love. And the world continued to fall into despair. And the Heavenly Father wept, as good fathers do when their children fall astray. And so this time, instead of sending people like Moses or David, Deborah or Elijah, God said he would come himself. And he did. His own hand would rescue the children he had lost. And not just them. 
Because thousands of years before, when history was just beginning, a man named Abram was sitting on a dusty ground one night. And out of the darkness sat next to him God himself. And the father of all things sat and looked at the stars with one man, the one who made the stars in their seemingly infinite expanse, told Abram, one day I will bless every nation, every people, because you chose to do things my way. You left your culture and your people and their ways of thinking and doing things apart from my loving authority, and you followed me on a grand adventure. And you chose to love your wife through thick and thin, and you chose to teach your children to listen to my voice. Just you, just one man and one wife, that's all I need to bless the whole world. Every nation, just watch. And he did. In fact, Abram is still watching today with his new name of Abraham as he sits in heaven with the father of all things. And his promise continues to grow to every nation. And so Abram's blessing came to pass almost 2,020 years after that night in the dust. A man named Jesus began to teach. Jesus began the final restoration, even though it's still going on. And as Jesus taught, love was again lovely. Rules came into balance. And he sang songs and he taught children And he made broken bodies and broken hearts and broken minds beautiful again. And what's more, he promised that he would fix the broken world one at a time. He would send a spirit to be with us, each one. We would do his work too. He wouldn't just be the father of all things or the father of one nation. He would be a good father to each one of us. He wouldn't be distant or far off. He wouldn't forget you or have better things to do. He would take your hand through the hard times, and he would sit with you on the dusty ground when you were confused or frustrated. One person was all he needed to make things right, but this time he was that one, and he gave his body. But he also wanted you to be that one right where you are right now. He made all of us to be his body too, and he said he would make his temple out of people this time instead of bricks and mortar people from every nation, from every single tribe, a place for his glory to stay forever, a people who would be his hands and his feet, making broken things beautiful. But the rule makers, the followers who never wanted to offend but were always offended, these people hated Jesus. They wanted their way. They wanted God to stay in a cupboard They liked their version of love and their rules. And their jealous hearts couldn't stand that he was unbreaking people without hardly trying when all they had ever done was try and no one was ever unbroken. No body or mind or heart was ever healed because you can't break and you can't unbreak a heart, can you? But he was doing it every day, even on their special religious pride festival days. So on Easter, we remember those people too. We remember how they arrested him and lied about him, how they mocked him on Twitter and on the Facebook community page, and they made fun of anyone who would listen to his podcast full of silly stories about how God was a father who loved you, a father who's weeping for you to come home, 
And then they killed him. And he let them. He let them and he loved them, even while they hung him from a tree. With nails driven through his hands and his feet, a spear through his side, spit dripping down his bruised and ugly face, he let them because he saw joy on the other side of pain. A pain so full of purpose. And he died. Jesus died, an actual physical death in a real place called Jerusalem that you can visit and see the spot. And his real blood from his real body was poured out on the ground. And on his head was smashed and beaten the same thorns that began to grow in a garden in the beginning. Adam and Eve's garden, as they hid in the bushes, trying to sew leaves together, which is ridiculous and impossible, even though you try to do it every single day. And as we were hiding, he wore those thorns as a crown around his head. He was the king of all our shame and the king of all our brokenness. But what the jealous rule makers, the snakes in the garden, what they didn't know was that it only takes one godly man or godly woman to start to make the whole world new. One godly husband, one godly mother, one godly singer or bricklayer, one godly teacher who will teach the Father's way. And on that first Easter, when Jesus lay dead, and the bacteria were actively trying to rot his real human body as it lay in that grave, on that real day, the curse of Adam was broken. The curse of thorns and toil and strife and the curse of death was broken by a new Adam. And when the tomb was opened early on the third day, a door was opened for each one of us to come into his family. Because it worked. He was resurrected. And the curse of death was defeated. And his real body came back to real life. And his friends and his family, they saw it. Hundreds of them saw it and believed. And they were filled with his joy too. And they died, many of them in similar fashion, full of joy. Because the curse of death was broken. So I ask you, what's your curse? Not just disease and death, but toil at work, toil at home. Is it resentment and patterns of failure and suffering that have been in your family far too long? Jesus broke the curse. He became a curse so that you can be free. His body was broken so that you could be made whole. If you would only give him your old ways, your shame and your rule-making and your hiding, if you would only stop sowing fig leaves to cover your naked vulnerability and shame and failure, what are your fig leaves? <laughs> Having perfect children? A seemingly happy marriage? A fancy house? A nicer car than you used to have? The right clothes? The best phone or sneakers or vacation or whatever? Maybe your heart is broken and you've decided you don't need anyone else. Adam needed Eve before sin ever entered the world, but not you. And you don't need authority either because, because you decide who you are and God can stay in his cupboard and give you good luck twice a year when you decide it's time to think about him. 
Maybe your mind is broken and you can't think straight anymore. And the fear won't let you sleep. And the failure and the shame won't let you rest. And so you numb the pain that you don't want to feel. And you long for escape that never lasts. And your addictions and your brokenness are little gods too. (laughs) But they're so weak. They can't save you. They can't break any curses. Maybe it's your body that's broken. Your literal body is here and now not working. I don't know how this works. I long to know. But I know that it does. I know that God came into a real broken world and he unbroke people's real bodies. And he did it without even trying. And he said it was their faith that did it. But then he said it just took a tiny bit, like a little seed. I don't know how he does it, but he does. And he can. And he wants to unbreak your body and your mind and your heart. You may have to wait like the woman in the Bible with the issue of blood. Do you remember her? For 12 years she waited, spent all her money trying to solve the problem herself. She prayed and waited with no idea if Jesus would ever walk by. And how many other women and other times and places never had a Jesus to walk by? A lot. Maybe you. You may die waiting, but it's better than living broken and abandoned and alone. I'd rather die trusting that he's a good father in a broken world, that he's always good. You know, good fathers sometimes make their children suffer, but always for good. Always for good. And that suffering will seem like nothing when you see the glory that he has in store for you. Because there's no meaningless suffering for his children. There is no meaningless suffering for his children. There's joy set before you as well. So I want to end this with a dare. (laughs) I dare you to hope in God. I dare you to turn back from the always offended, never enough God in a cupboard who lets you do things your own way but never lets you rest so you can suffer without purpose and die alone. I dare you to let go of your fear and your anger and your depression. Let go of that so you can take the hand of a good dad who's right now reaching out to you. Maybe he's whispering. Maybe he's shouting, come back to me. I wish you could hear him. Can you hear him shouting? And around you, all around you, a storm is raging. And the boat you're in is filling with water. You've worked all night rowing, trying to get to shore, and nothing is going your way. And where is God? And doesn't he love us? And isn't he good? And why is he making us go through all this? And I'm here to tell you right now that he's coming on the waves. The fierce, terrible, insurmountable waves. He's walking across the surface of all the calamity that is going on in our world. It's pitch dark. There's no lights. But somehow you can see him. Can you see him? And maybe, just maybe you can walk to him across the waves. Maybe you don't even need the boat that you were just a second ago so worried might sink. Today, right now, I dare you to ask him if you can step out of the boat. Keeping your eyes on him and not the danger or the fears. 
And you might sink. You'll, you'll probably fail. Peter failed. But he tried. No one else tried. And even when you fail, you can reach out your hands and cry, Dad, and he's your help. I did it my way and it's all falling apart. Will you come rescue me? I'm sinking. And he's a good father. He's the best. And if you will ask him, he will call you out of the boat. But he won't do it on a calm day when the water is smooth and glassy and the mist floats across in a postcard and a bird flies by. He'll do it in the worst possible moment if you ask him. Will you ask him? If you will dare, then perhaps he will too. Maybe he'll take a risk on you and pull you out of the mess you've made of things, the mess we've all made. And if your heart is in it, and if you're done with your nonsense, and he doesn't promise to clean up your mess either, but I can promise you this, he promises you this, he'll be with you. If you let go of your way, which is failing whether you will admit it or not, then he will take your hand. Life will still be hard, probably harder considering the way people will react, <laughs> who keep their God in a cupboard, some of the people you love. But he will bring you his people to be with you. You're not meant to be alone. And they'll teach you about his loving authority. And you'll teach them too. And he will always be with you to the end of the age, unbreaking you where you're broken, making you beautiful. Because he is your inheritance. He is your portion forever. Not the fig leaves that you're hiding behind. He's the king of all your shame. He wears a crown of the thorns that you caused to grow. And there's nothing you've done that he can't forgive. And there's nothing you've suffered that he hasn't been through. He's the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And one day every knee will bow, either in fear or in worship, before this king. He wants to unbreak your heart and unbreak your mind and unbreak your body. His name is Jesus, and today we worship him. I want to invite you right now to worship Jesus. If you're able and you have a place, I invite you to worship him on your knees, which is where you belong, before a king of glory. If there are things in your heart that you need to let go of, you also need to find someone to talk to Find someone to confess to, because you're not meant to be alone. You're meant to be with God and with his people forever. I invite you, I dare you, to step out of the boat and take his hand. Let's pray together as we worship. Father in heaven, thank you that your ways are above our ways, that your love and your authority are good even when we are not. And I turn away from all the ways that I've twisted and corrupted your plan. And I accept you as the Lord and as the Savior of my life. Thank you that you took the thorns I made and you 
wear them as a crown, that you accept me as I am, you transform me, and you make the broken things new. We ask you to make us new today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Many blessings on you and your family this Easter.